0: Welcome into the Max and Vince podcast, Inside LAFC, part of the Inside LAFC stable. We remind you to please subscribe, not just to this podcast, but the one with Bob Bradley, an incredible one with Jesse Marsh came out. Listen to it in its entirety, two incredible minds, leaders, with regards to this sport in this country. Check out Shooting the Shot. They're all cataloged there. And of course, all the great Inside LAFC, Max and Vince podcasts, including the Will Kuntz one, which is Performing great, and uh, we're going to continue reaching out to, uh, firstly and foremost, to the incredible black community within our club and throughout Los Angeles and in the United States. We're going to focus on Juneteenth, which will be coming up on the 150th anniversary here on Friday, and Marcus McDougall, our VP of Creative and Branded Content He is a beautiful creator, got some incredible work out there, and we'll talk about that. He will talk about how we are looking to make Juneteenth an official holiday. Subscribe, rate, and review to the Max and Vince podcast, but the title suggests that it's not just one person, so I probably should bring in the other person. Hello, Vince.
1: You're doing a great job. You just keep rolling. I go on vacation. Uh, I want to add to- Wait, wait, wait. What? What? Yeah, I wish I could go on vacation.
0: What is that supposed to mean? Am I going on vacation?
1: You, uh, you are going on vacation for like a little bit, but we're still going to be able to churn out a podcast because yeah. that's how it's hard a, you work.
0: I just want to say, because people going to go, I'm not, I'm not jumping on a plane. We're very fortunate where we live. We're gonna, I'm going to take the car. We're going to drive out to Zion and uh, drive around a bit, do some hiking. Yeah. Clear the head. So you'll see my work will improve. As great as it is now, it's going to improve by two weeks' time.
1: Yeah. You're going to go on a vision quest, get some meditation <laughs> done. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sit atop at of one of those big rocks out there in Zion, and just you know, center yourself with with yeah. the earth. Uh, but I want to add, I want to. You did a great intro. I want to add one thing to your to your intro, and I think um, it's it's kind of a a theme going forward for for you and I, and I think it should be for a lot of uh, sports organi- organizations in general. I think a lot of people are thinking, hey, you know, sports are starting to come back. You and I are actually going to talk about some of the some of the leagues coming back. I mean, they're probably wondering how do we. They're using, they love to use this term pivot. How do we pivot? And I think for us, we're saying, no, we're not pivoting. You can do both. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to uh, talk about the important events that are going on in the world and important initiatives, important protests, uh, important Black Lives Matter, uh, subject matter, and, and everything that goes around that in the history. And then also talk about football. So I think that's why you and I are going to continue along this vein and we, you, know, you might see a lot of shows that are kind of split half and half and uh, I think these, these are going to be some of our best shows if, if I'm being honest. So there's a lot of good information coming from these shows.
0: I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about a few things but since you brought up what's happening worldwide with regards to football, soccer, we'll, we'll touch on that. But just on Juneteenth, I've just been taken back because obviously a couple years ago, this was not on the radar to make it a holiday. People were pushing it. We just didn't listen. And once we hear from Marcus, you'll see why it's so important, why it makes sense, because it's a date that really brings our country full circle. It is great to see the groundswell of support it's getting, and all indicators suggest it's going to be an official holiday. It is recognized by LAFC, and it will start being recognized by more and more clubs, more and more entities, and more and more, you would hope, on the federal level. But we'll leave that for our discussion later. But Mark, uh, Vince, <laughs> I should say, I got to we had the German Bundesliga, we we're all excited because it was singular. Mm-hmm. Then we had La Liga start, and then there was Coppa Italia, so technically Italy started. Then the English Premier League started. This week, we had Bayern crowned champions. We were going to get to see Lionel Messi and Real Madrid twice, not against each other. The Coppa Italia final. so we see celebrations in Napoli no social distancing but Italy's ahead of the uh, ahead of us with what's going on I saw some images it was very nice as they were celebrating the fountain good for the city of Naples Premier League back uh you got some big you got the Merseyside Derby you've got Spurs Manchester United all this week so you don't have weeks like this and granted they're all staggered but for those and look the fans aren't there and we feel the void and it stinks but in the meantime, this is a means to get us to where we can start bringing fans back. You've got to take this step to take the next step. So it's good to go out and enjoy it. I've watched a lot. I, some of it, obviously, is hard to, to sit through. And, you know, the, the incredible thing, what you reminded about is the fans, a, a bad game, the fans can make a bad game look good. And if it's a bad game without the fans, it is, it's a bit of a stinker. But I've really enjoyed it. I, I will watch some more here today and throughout the weekend. So enjoy. It, it's honestly a great opportunity. It's good and bad because once everything's going on, every sport, you watch some of the La Liga. You watch Real Madrid and Barcelona. You don't watch the other games. You watch the big games in the league. But because you have this time, you can watch the middle of the pack and some of the, the relegation teams. It's not pretty. But I think if you really want to be good and sophisticated this sport, you got to watch as much as you can. So seize this opportunity.
1: Well, I took the time to actually watch Aston Villa-Sheffield United. There's no okay. chance I'm ever no. watching that game. No, no. But and what, that was terrible. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great game. But the one memory that will that will stay with me is even though we didn't have fans is the reaction shot of the Sheffield United fans when that ball was – it's in the net. I mean, yes. it's literally touching the inside of the net. It and, uh, place,
0: the, the, the rule is cross the line. I go, it not only it crossed the line, but it's in the net. So. Yeah.
1: F- seeing that, I think uh, for NBC to have that shot um, and put that in at halftime, that will be the, the lasting memory of this week for me because that was, it was, it was hilarious. It was funny. It's funny to uh, to the way we're going to consume football. It's that's, that's the modern way we're going to do it going forward. And I think it's cool to to try to bring some fans into it, but, you know, as, like you said, as of right now, this is just a step, and we're going to have to kind of get used to it. What did you think? Here's here's what I actually kind of liked, and a lot of people didn't. What did you think of the virtual TIFO during the uh, Coppa Italia game?
0: I I, I liked it. I, I think, look, when the Bundesliga started, it was bare bones. Bundesliga is going to wrap up their season next weekend, and they're done. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. So we haven't even started. They're like, we're done. We're done. We can sit back, and we, which is unbelievable that they were able to do it. So you have the Bundesliga coming out bare bones, and then everything's been added, the piped-in sound. I like the virtual TIFO. One thing that really works, and obviously not every club can do this, Real Madrid's playing in their, their reserve stadium, the Di Stefano, which is 6,000 seats, I believe. Small stadiums pop off the screen because when you're big, you look at the empty spaces. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, my goodness, it looks like a cavern. So not everyone can play in a small stadium. It's like when they say the new camp is coming, and I go, I don't really need to see that. But small stadiums work. Uh, any virtual covering for me? I know people don't like the piped-in sound. Is actually was at first was a bit random, but it's now very sophisticated. It rises when there's a goal. Someone's there doing a nice job. We are getting ready for the return of MLS, and they're going to pick. They should be able to pick what's worked with these other leagues. And uh, they might have a real good tapestry to make it even better. But I think the leagues are trying. I really liked what La Liga was doing with – obviously, they they were buoyed by having Barcelona and Real Madrid, who came out and played well and scored goals, looked ready but also with the piped in sound and the fans in there in these smaller venues, it's really worked for me. So I like what they have done, but I think they're gonna, everyone's going to try and keep one upping each other because outside of Germany, it's all new for these other leagues.
1: Yeah. I apologize to whoever put this joke on Twitter and I'm sure a lot of people made the joke, but somebody made the joke that uh, the German sound engineer that's piping in the sound, his, his transfer value is going up after watching <laughs> the premier league matches without it. And I agree. I, I like, I like a little bit of the, the sound noise and, we, it's funny that we kind of got a um, a preview of that with our uh, faux traffico and the great work that Mario Ruiz did in matching up kind of the, the maybe crowd they were
0: maybe they were peeking in on Mario. Mario deserves uh, his a, a higher transfer fee.
1: Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to think that that he was an inspiration for some of that because when when we listened to it, that was both your yours and my reaction was just how perfect the timing, this um, the the. the the levels, uh, the volume, like he nailed it, man. It just, and even for just little things like deflected shots and stuff like that. I mean, he went, he went all out. And I remember when we talked to him, we were like, how long did that take you? It was well, a good, good couple hours each day for a couple <laughs> yes. of days. And we were like, wow. So it, it, it's not easy. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, it's going to be instructional and you, you say it's uh, a lot of the stuff around the game and we, we think that's important. I mean, if Bob Bradley thinks that's important, then we do, you know, also the way a game is presented. Um, but it's going to be instructional for the way the game is being played. I think both you and I have, have sat through games and been like, man, rough. So I think you're going to have to, you know, set aside some expectations for the, maybe the first couple group stage games because there's only really moments, right? Like uh, this Juventus game, I'll tell you what, Cristiano Ronaldo was gar- absolute garbage in the game. Yeah,
0: he was. He, w- he was disconnected. <laughs> he walked around a lot. I was like, Whoa.
1: Yeah, no athleticism, but, no no burst of speed, didn't dribble pat couldn't dribble past a single soul. But they Juventus, couldn't play him because he was he was not coming back. They couldn't play him because he was offside. One time they turned the ball over and go,
0: don't play it to Cristiano, he's still walking back. I was like, mm, I'm sure that will change. But Messi came out guns blazing. Yeah. He was Well, I think what we've for whatever seen. Reason, is, not to compare them all the time.
1: But. Yeah. What we've seen is some teams are able to it's you're able to come out there and, and do things in spurts. I think in that Juventus game is a perfect uh analogy for what can happen they came out and they were they were pressing high up the pitch they had they had Napoli back in in two banks of four and they were Napoli was literally within 30 yards from their goal Juventus was pressing hard and in the second half they didn't get their goal and Juventus just kind of drifted 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 and they they never were able to make an impact after the half so I think those are the way you're going to see games and man especially when you consider uh, Orlando and the weather I think there's going to be instances where you're going to have to be a team that truly understands when you can go and you're going to have to have that kind of sixth sense about you where you know, hey, the rest of my teammates are feeling fresh right now. We can press for a little bit, but we're going to have to back off in other stages because if you try to go guns blazing from the first 30 minutes and you don't get your goal or you don't get two goals, you're going to be gassed by the time the 90th minute rolls around.
0: Soak it all in. Enjoy it. One thing I want to add is I, I, I wanted to watch more Bundesliga. This gave me the opportunity. I don't think I'm going to be watching. I will watch some Bundesliga. I don't think I need to. I watched Köln and Union Berlin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No. And I was, call, I was texting my friends. I go, I think I texted you. I go, I go, MLS teams can beat both these teams. Yeah. So we're looking at middle of the table to, which they are both. Köln's a little further back. An MLS LL- team could beat Schalke. LL- Schalke is the one team I go, I know that. Here's also a lesson about some teams came out prepared. Obviously, Bayern Munich were locked in. They were not messing around. Hertha Berlin, to a lesser degree, came out locked in, won some games to help their status. I think they had a little bit of relegation peril. Schalke came out and said, we, they didn't say this, but it looked like it. We don't care. Yeah, That's not going to bode well for the coach. He's got to be frustrated. The players uh, just haven't been engaged. But that, it, there are lessons out there to be taken in every league. And we'll see that develop in, in England and in Spain. Uh, I think I just off the board, Spain, Espanol was last place and in their first two games they won and they tied and all of a sudden they're, they're off the bottom. So yeah. it's, it goes a long
1: way. Well, it's interesting to see which when teams play, when they have stuff to play for, right? Cause we, we talk about every season, there's a bunch of teams that are middle of the pack. They're happy to stay up for another year but they don't have anything to play for. They're not going to be relegated. They're not going into the European places. I think Shelka kind of had a little bit to play for, but they were kind of they had a gap in really what they could do. Um, so you've seen how, how that's different. I think MLS will be different in the fact that we're hoping this is a step to a, a truncated season. So everyone still has everything to play for. Obviously, this tournament gives you something to play for between money and that Champions League spot. Um. So hopefully we don't have a bit of that disinterested look. But I, I agree with you. There's a there's a couple of teams that are there's just sleepwalking trying to get to the, end of the season. I ne- I can't necessarily blame them. I mean, let's be let's be real. After what's gone on, a couple games left. Maybe you don't have much to play for. You kind of just want to play out this string and and maybe put it all behind you. But it's it's tough to watch.
0: <laughs> but in Germany, they've had it pretty good. They're not going into a bubble. They're they get, they do have to stay quarantined, but they, they travel. They'll get to go back to their hometowns, and it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's over now. So cautionary tale certainly there. for. I, I can see it in your face, Vince. You're very – just watching games has been great, and it's really the only show in town. Golf has started a little bit. There's car racing, but soccer is, is back. I, I anticipate the ratings for the Premier League will be very good. They did a great job with NBC rolling it out. La Liga to a lesser degree because people don't have b in sports or yep. b in sports, but uh, it's, it's we've seen it the number hit with the Bundesliga and with very little promotion. So it, it those bode well for MLS because when they roll around, it will be it's it, it it will be the only US sport. The other sports won't come back till the end of July at the earliest. Baseball probably looking like it won't come back at all. So it it should provide a bump. How big a one? We'll wait and see, and I'll, I'll I'll we'll put a bow on this. But I will just say this: we don't have any confirmation about dates and times yet. But once we do, we'll pass them on to you immediately. We're just waiting. the The league is ironing out the final details.
1: A, a little bird has told me while we're while we were doing this that possibly early next week.
0: See, we're expecting this week, but that's it. We got to be patient. Uh, if it doesn't come the early next week, then they, they might have to push back another week, <laughs> but, tournament to get everything because they're expected to report
1: I think the plan is they want to get this schedule in before Max Brados goes on his vacation so correct I, I think that's, that's they're working off of your timetable Max and for once they're finally taking your lead so they'll put it out then you and I can do a little podcast and we can send you on your way and you can go clear your mind
0: expect some really killer photos with me and my LAFC hat in Zion and I'll okay. dress up Maxie too we better Maxie's very excited because we got some free donuts at Randy's because their computer went down. So they gave us free donuts. That's for another story. (laughs) Let's talk. Hey, let's talk about Andy Nahar. What what were you going to say?
1: No, good, good segue. Don't eat my donut. (laughs) Randy's donuts to Andy Nahar. (laughs)
0: We ordered six donuts. I wish we ordered a dozen.
1: Randy's well, donuts yeah, are delightful. Yeah, now you do. Yeah, when they said, hey, it's going to be free, did you go, hey, can we put another, uh, another dozen on that? Uh? <laughs> well, yeah,
0: because the person behind us, they go, we're only accepting cash, but we were the one person to get through with the free donuts. Andy Nahar. What
1: do you know? I, you,
0: <laughs> you, were ready, you knew you were ready to take this with donuts for another five minutes. Let's go to Andy I Nahar. Was.
1: Let's go you to know. Andy Nahar. Well, you, you, you start off because you've been talking to the, the... I can never Cattracho. say that. Catracho. And I talked to
0: them, I talked, listen, we live in a very sensitive time. So, catracho is an old expression that was used, it kind of means like country person from Mm -hmm. uh, Honduras, which uh, in Cuba, they call people, I can't remember, guajiros, which it means like kind of old country person. It's the beginning of that song, Guantanamera, Guajiro, Guantanamera, which is a Cuban song, so everyone who sings that in football stadiums, remember, Wajiro means old country man, Guajira, Mm -hmm. old country woman. So I said, can we still call it Catracho? And he goes, yeah, we still call it. I "I just want to make sure. So I called, uh, once Nahar was going, I got, I have like four Honduran friends, three of them texted me going, is it true? Is it true? The excitement was palpable. So I got a lot of intel about Honduras before we get into Nahar. Here in Los Angeles, obviously the biggest, even though Mexico is North America, we'll call it Mexico and Central American countries, the biggest community is Mexico, then a big El Salvadoran community, and then there's a drop-off to Guatemala and Honduras. But they are, uh, they are very active. They are very supportive. They are going to take this news well, from what I was told. They are going to be there. You're going to see Honduran flags, many of them at stadiums now, supporting Andy Nahar. Honduran football a regular at the world cup, didn't qualify for 2018. They lost to Australia pretty badly in that qualifier. So they had an old guard of players. Uh, Nahar 30 is uh, part of the transition to the younger group, but he would probably be there. He played really well in the Olympics. They got a new coach for Honduras, Fabian Coito, Uruguayan. Uruguayans are taking over this world of soccer and they have some good young players Jonathan Rubio, Anthony Lozano, those guys play in Europe, that has Honduras excited about the future. So Honduran football, which was going down a bit uh, with that generation, now looking to replenish. And Nahar is going to be one of the leaders. So what does that mean for LAFC? Well, a lot. Obviously, a a small but valuable Honduran market, a chance to reach out to that community, which is very valuable to LAFC and bring them in, in the LAFC fold. And... You have a guy who uh, is really well-regarded with that community and well-regarded, former Rookie of the Year in MLS. So we can talk about the good stuff about him, and there's a lot. But when you bring up Andy Nahar, the first thing people will say is injuries. He had a a bad one in Belgium, kept him out Mm -hmm. six months, but he he also has this knack of coming back. So obviously you have to uh, approach him – uh, singularly with, with those injury issues. I mean, he's a, he's not a big guy, he's small, he, but the injuries when this is the reality is they bring it up, but this is a fresh start. He's bounced back many times. And hopefully this is a, a place where he will get all the good coaching and all the good treatment to keep his body in a tip top shape where injuries hopefully will be a thing in the past. Well, I think you said Andy
1: 30, Andy 27.
0: 27. I'm sorry. I, who's I think at 30? Twenty So yeah, he's still part of the. He's
1: still very young. He has, in fact, had two ACL injuries, which are, are the concern. I think to alleviate some of those concerns for people that are worried about that, it's been no secret that Andy's been here since February. Uh, he was out here to, to kind of regain some fitness, and for them to have a look at, it, look at him, I think – when you consider what it takes to, to complete a transfer and, and to think about medicals and stuff like that, Andy's in the best position possible because he's been out here this whole time. They've really got a chance to really put him through his paces, see how his body reacts to to training. The the way LFC trains is 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 no simple task. Um, you know, one thing we've mentioned in past podcasts is they they train always with the ball. It's always a lot of high leverage, high intensity games. It's not like they're making them do a lot of sprints and and long distance runs and a lot of fitness, the fitness is within the football. Um, and a lot of players maybe aren't used to that because you're, you're basically going out there 100% three to four days a week. You get sore, uh, you get a little run down, you're always competing and you're always expected to compete at a high level. But again, Andy's been out here for a while and they've really been able to, to take a look at him. I talked to a few of the, the training staff guys and they've said, you know, injuries aside, Andy's like his technique and his, his mechanical. Uh, the way he runs, his style of play is just so smooth. Um, so if he can stay away from injuries, he's got – he doesn't have to change the way he plays. doesn't have to change the way he runs. It's just he's been a little bit unlucky. Um, but, yeah, the most exciting thing for Andy aside, you know, once you kind of get past the possible injury thing is, man, he just fits this team so well. He's a he's a right back that can dribble. Um, He's a very good dribbler, so he can make guys miss. He's a pretty decent passer Um, and really – you know, he's so athletic and that's what you need. I mean, now when you consider the opportunity to have Eddie Segura, Tristan Blackman, both centrally, and then Cheeky Palacios on one side and uh, Nahar on the other, man, you're going to be able to get up and down the field and not worry about playing the style, play that LAFC plays, which is basically keeping those those three lines, you know, your, your defense, your midfield and your forwards, you're going to stay tight all the way up and all the way back on the field and you're going to try to cover gaps and you're going to, Take some chances, and you're going to defend where you are. Uh, and Andy really fits that style. So in terms of skill set, I mean, he should be just a, a pretty like for like in, in that ability to slide him in, and it gives a lot of flexibility, as as we've said in in uh, in leading up to this and and talking about it. I mean, now you get Tristan Blackman being able to play some center back, which I think is his best position. You get Latif Blessing going to get to stay in the midfield and not have to kind of split his time between. Uh, thinking about right back in, in midfield, so man, this is a this is a deep team. They're going to need it because uh, a lot of games come in fast and furious. So a- Andy's going to be a welcome sight for this team.
0: There's a lot of Bundesliga teams that would love to have that back for right there. So when I talk about Union Berlin and FC Köln or Cologne, the birthplace of uh, Menza uh, perfume Cologne, so um, four seven eleven, which is my dad used to wear, is from Cologne, Germany as I go off on a side topic, but uh, there's a lot of teams that would love. That is a dynamic back four. Young, yes, inexperienced, yes, but a ceiling uh, that a lot of people can't really really see right now. It's tremendous. The thing with Nahar too, and we talk about the speed, that is it's world class as it applies to a soccer player. If you look at some of his old footage, yes, he's gonna project as a right back, but in a pinch, he can get up the field. He's been able to score goals and assist players as well in his time in MLS. And in his time with Anderlecht. So there is a lot more. He's not a one dimensional footballer by any means here. So a very exciting addition, Vince.
1: Yeah, you, when you think about it, you know, LAFC didn't really have a replacement in terms of a threat scoring from, from defense after uh, Steven Betashore was, uh, was let go. Because he was kind of your guy that was picking up a lot of assists, could score three to four goals a season. I mean, that's look, for a fullback, that's great. Um, but Andy's a guy that, yeah, he's going to chip in with your, with a goal from time to time. And it's not just going to be, you know, Tristan Blackman, I think is great on set pieces. Um, I think he's pretty good. At, he's, he's a pretty good passer. So you can, you know, create some assists, uh, but Andy can do things on the ball and in the run of play. And that's going to be a different, that's also a different dynamic. I think Cheeky's getting there. Um, but he, he, you know, it's, it's an unproven skill for cheeky at this point. So Andy really brings that, um, that known quantity when it comes to being able to provide actual tallies on the score sheet.
0: And again, just to, to close it to our Honduran, I got our catracho. No, You've got to me on our catracho community. I know I blew it for you. I'm sorry. Bienvenidos a Los Angeles. Bienvenidos to LAFC. If you are Honduran and want to trip, travel to LA, once we can bring fans back and stay, by all means, you can inquire, go to LAFC.com. Andy will feature with the national team and, you know, I think it's September. There's talking of the World Cup qualifying. Uh, It's going to be condensed now, and Honduras kind of makes the cut because it might go straight to the hex, and Honduras is part of those big six teams. So we'll cross that hurdle when we get to it, but exciting addition. It's not going to be the Fito Celaya sensation from a marketing stance, but it's not a bad one at all. And again, this is a really smart move. They didn't bring him in because he's Honduran. It's just a nice... Sidebar to having a guy that you can bring in that can create this excitement for a community, which is very cool.
1: Yeah, and I think from if, if Andy can just dip into a little bit of what Fito's market, marketing ability was but contribute more on the pitch, no yeah. one will care.
0: And El Salvador, you're welcome too, and who knows what the future holds. We will take a break here. When we return, we're going to bring in Marcus McDougal, and we're going to talk about Juneteenth. Celebrate it tomorrow, but will it become a national holiday? There's a lot of momentum behind it. He will get into the details. If you have any questions about the date, you've heard Juneteenth and don't know what it's all about, here's your chance to get all the information you should possibly want. LAFC completely behind this and already observing this as a holiday. This is the Maxim Vince Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back right after this. We are back here on the Max and Vince podcast, part of the inside LAFC podcast network. We are joined now by Marcus McDougal, VP creative and branded content, a beautiful creator. And before we get in this conversation, Marcus, I just want to touch on the, the legacy series you directed about the life of Bob Marley. Check it out. Where can people find that? Cause I, I actually watched a little bit of it again last night. It is spectacular. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. You can uh, check it out on YouTube. It's on uh, the Bob Marley channel.
2: Uh, and, the, and the episode I did specifically was uh, Rhythm of the Game. So it's very football-focused, and it's uh, Bob's, Bob's passion for the game. So yeah. I appreciate
0: that. Well, you got it. One thing we should say is, you know, Marcus and Vince, I mean, we're, when we were in our office, we're all within 20 feet of each other. Marcus, I think, I mean, you have a long relationship with Vince. I know me personally. You were the, one of the first people I met here, and you were – incredibly wonderful when, uh, when I arrived and open and welcome. And most people at LAFC were, that's why I realized was here. So, uh, we, we do have a, we, a, we, we exchange stuff with Marcus on a regular basis, but, um, we had a very unique conversation. We talked about it last week with Will Koontz. It was a, it was a conversation on zoom, which involved the entire LAFC workforce and based on what was happening with the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, the ball was in your court as part of uh, the black community in our club. And we were all ears. We also heard from uh, Cookie Johnson, the wife of Magic Johnson about it. It was uh, For me, and as I mentioned last week, it was a very moving, I, I, my, I was just so alert and I wanted to soak it in. And, and I, was, I realized how thankful we were to have you guys there conveying this message because you, you did it with a lot of heart. It was direct. And uh message was certainly received and we continue the conversation here uh, your background obviously when they asked you to do that you're you, you seem like the obvious candidate you you know what you want you know what we are talking about and this is also part of Juneteenth which is going to be recognized tomorrow making an official holiday we'll get to that shortly but with that opportunity when they asked you what 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 went through your mind when you you knew that this would be a spot to be able to convey, in a short amount of time, so much information? Yeah,
2: you know, um, I, during this COVID window, I've been really leaning into a lot of Stoic writers, um, and one of the premises of Stoicism is that the obstacle is the way. Um, there's actually a really great book by that name. Um, you know, definitely worth checking out, um, and you know when this sort of whole social situation boiled over and the opportunity presented itself to address the all staff, um, I, I realized that it was probably going to be one of the hardest, uh, you know, moments of my history say five-year history with LAFC, but I knew ultimately it was, um, incredibly important. And, uh, you know, as much as we talk about representation in the black community and we talk about really having a seat at the table um, to be in the room, to have a seat at the table, but then to also have a platform, the microphone um, was really something that I I didn't want to shy away from.
1: You know, what I appreciated most about that conversation I brought up with Will too, was it was a conversation and it was a real conversation because I think, you know, one of the things that I miss the most, and I, I like that Max brought it up, that you and I go go back and forth, man, in the office, we give it to each other. Like, isn't it going to be about the simplest things, man, about punk rock, about little things? And, and I think that's the culture of LAFC is to kind of challenge each other in a respectful way. Um, yeah. And that, I think, I, I know that you said you had some, uh, you know, it was, it was maybe, I don't know if difficult is the right word, but, you know, just you had to really sit and think about what you were going to bring to the table for that conversation. And, I, and I'm, assuming that one of the things that you probably wanted was, Hey, let's not lose that. Let's not lose that aspect of what we have in LAFC. And that's why you and will presented it as a conversation. Cause you guys, it wasn't you guys talking at us. It was, it was you guys saying, here's where we stand. Now, where do you stand? And are we in this together? And I think that, um, that was the powerful aspect of it.
2: Yeah. You know, you you nailed it there in the sense that like, you know, it's gotta be a dialogue. Right. Um, You know, we we obviously understand our own situation um, in with the history of this country um, and are you sort of uniquely primed for it. A lot of us at a very young age uh, and learn uh, it through experiential wisdom. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a really important part of this conversation is involving people who don't experience it to help them understand, to help them empathize, uh, and to help them understand really maybe even their own blind spots, Um, you know, that we are all human and that we do need to reflect internally um, oftentimes before we can even, you know, make changes externally. Um, So we saw this meeting as really a great point to position that not only for individuals but for us as an organization to really challenge ourselves and to do some some deeper deeper
0: digging. I'm glad you mentioned that, Vince, because uh, look, people are angry and they have every right to be angry, but the to, to pass the message and I, I think I we I texted something with you afterwards and you said thanks for being an ally and I go, I want to be an ally and I think that delivery, that exchange of information where it's it's almost I mean, it, we, we did mostly listening, but the opportunity to go back and forth and you allowed that opportunity to talk. That kind of dialogue is so important to me because it 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 creates more allies because I think sometimes the anger when people hear it, they shut it off the people that don 't want to hear it, and we 've got to capture those ears. so I just thought it was a wonderful practice in doing that, and hopefully we can pass that on as well. Uh, Marcus, you have a unique circumstance uh, with how racism has you know shaped you uh, coming growing up in the south, if you could maybe touch on some of those uh, the, some of those experiences which brought you here to California and, and how important I, we have, a, a, I won't mention his name, but we have a an employee who was a policeman in Washington, D.C., and he shared that. And I said, we don't hear about what's happening in Washington, D.C., and that Washington, D.C. is an area which is predominantly black, and things change here. And obviously, being from the South, we, we feel so far away. but those experiences, how can, how important are those to share? To see yeah. how it's such a, it's such a bigger problem than we may see in just our communities.
2: Sure. Well, so, so a little, little, uh, sort of framework for it. My father is from Irwin, North Carolina. I actually grew up in Oxnard, but you know, did quite a few trips, uh, you know, t- to the deep South as a kid, you know, probably once a year and would spend, you know, so a week or so, uh, with my family out there. So, um, you know, in the 80s in Irwin, North Carolina, and and quite frankly, we all know that the South moves a bit slower, um, you know, in in all aspects of life. And and sometimes there's really endearing qualities to that. And sometimes there's very Mm. scary qualities to that. But, you know, my, you know, I grew up spending quite a bit of time in Irwin, North Carolina. And, um, you know, my father grew up there. My father, uh, was the son of a sharecropper, you know, uh, Martin, uh, June McDougald. Um, my father actually, uh, worked the fields when he was a kid and, and my, you know, he picked tobacco and he picked cotton. Um, and my, my, my father's often told me that his favorite days were rainy days because you can't work in the field and you actually got to go to school. Um, and so, you know, that always, you know, he sort of, he'd say that when I was a kid to get me up and get me moving, you know, when I wanted to, when I wanted to have a sick day or whatever, but you know, as I've gotten older and I've really uh, managed to sort of reflect on the opportunities that my father's created for me. um, It's only sort of heightened my level of responsibility to put in solid work. Um, So, you know, that, that, you know, slavery, you know, chattel slavery or chattel slavery, you know, in the United States, obviously, and we'll get into this with Juneteenth, uh, you know, ended uh, in in June 19th, uh, you know, 1865. Uh, but that's not to say that there weren't other forms of, of, of slavery that, that continued to exist um, and that even to this day um, exist. And so you know, wage slavery is one of them and, and, and sharecropping is one of them. So, you know, growing up, uh, you know, with family in the South, um, you know, Benson, North Carolina, which is right next to Irwin, North Carolina is one of the last, you know, strongholds for the Klan. When I was a kid, I would see actual billboards and takeout ads and I would see, you know, the Klan, uh, billboards, uh, when I was walking to the liquor store, you know, grocery store or wherever, you know. I was acutely aware um, that uh, there was a semi-undefined space for me uh, as a as a black person uh in America. And a part of that was really sort of always trying to figure out where that space was. Um and you know, where was I accepted? Where was I allowed to be? Um, where was when was I actually was my life threatened or maybe. You know, was putting myself in a line of danger, even as a very young kid, um, trying to be hyper aware of those things, and and uh, uh, so, you know, that's a little bit of my father's history. You know, myself growing up in Oxnard, very different beach town. uh, You know, Southern California, fairly diverse. Um, You know, I didn't really face uh, serious racial issues um, as a youth outside of North Carolina until I moved to Northern California. I moved to a small town called Grass Valley and uh, it's, it's outside of Tahoe. And I was one of three black kids at my high school. Um, and there it was amazing because all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about my father's stories and his experiences. As he, he's preparing me because he knows what I'm most likely going to face when I move up there and uh cuz he wasn't going my 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 parents split and so I was going up with my mom and he was trying to pre- prepare me for what I could you know expect to experience being uh, a minority in an environment like that and it was it was pretty wild to basically you know really share experientially a lot of the experiences my dad had in the south in the 50s in say 2001 2000 northern california um so you know everything from receiving death threats uh with racial epithets to uh being hazed you know uh in in the shower uh you know after football practice um to you know uh it was a bit of a hobby of of ours you know some of the the folks that i ran around with to actually like steal nooses out of trees because it was a uh, enough of a thing that, that actually existed there that, um, you know, that was a bit of a, of a hobby and a thrill, uh, as a, as a youth, uh, the same thing as, you know, went with, uh, you know, stealing Confederate flags off of, off of properties. And, uh, it was always interesting because I was, um, you know, sort of generally the one black kid in my friend circle, um, there was this hypersensitivity to the imminent threat that existed specifically for me. And as much as it was say a, a, a a rush and we'd laugh about it and we would just kind of, you know, get thrills off of, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of knocking down racism like that. There's always this sense of my, my, my closeness or proximity to my own mortality. So, um, yeah, and uh, you know, th- I think that in some ways, uh, that those experiences combined with sort of my family history um, primed me to to be really passionate about um, my culture. Uh, not only in sort of evaluating and analyzing the struggle and the pain of it, but really leaning into the joy and the beauty of it. And so, I've spent a lot of time traveling the world um, and, and sort of following the diaspora and. And in, in going to countries like Jamaica and brazil and 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 being around uh you know the beauty of of black culture globally um, and i studied uh, I was a black world studies minor in college um, and yeah it's just something very near and dear to me obviously uh, experientially but but also intellectually
1: I think you know it's it's important to tell these stories because the first thing I get from your story is we're not far removed um, yeah. from, from the things that we think are, are things of the past. The second thing I take from it is it comes in different forms. You know, we, we like to kid ourselves here in California and say that's it's a South problem. That's a North Carolina problem. Like we don't have the clan here. And that's not true. Um, that's wholly not true. It, it just comes in different forms. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure even in Oxnard, you experience some things, but then you go to just, a, you know, 100 miles, 200 miles north, and it becomes that much more intense for you. Um, I want to touch on one thing to maybe to kind of bring your story full circle is, um, you mentioned boundaries, um, and how your your, your father kind of put that instilled that in you that, you know, people are going to try to place boundaries on you, but what's weird is they're never going to tell you exactly where those boundaries are. They're only going to, it's, you're only going to know when you've passed them. Right. And that's when they really want to punish you and bring, bring down the hammer but I'm curious for people that maybe know your story. I mean, you were you, you've worked in entertainment, you've worked you know TV, movies. You know now you do sports, and obviously with the Bob Marley thing, you're still kind of meshing the two. Um, when you're so consciously aware that there's some kind of boundary that exists, how as a black man do you then say you know what? How do you set that aside and, and do the things that you do? Where you say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna break through these boundaries. I'm gonna create art, and I'm gonna do great things, and I'm gonna move up in a major company like LAFC and be a part of something. Can you, can you kind of share what maybe your mindset is from that aspect?
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, this is, this is something that I, that I understood experientially. Um, and, and it was like sort of a, a wisdom that I, I, I acquired from uh, my elders. Um, but then I, I didn't really understand how to put words to it until I actually went to Jamaica and, and learned a lot more about Bob. Um, you know, you're all probably, f- you know, familiar with tough gong. Um, and, you know, tough gong is a label. He was actually, Bob was called, you know, at first rough gong and then tough gong. Um, but t- what tough gong means is a gong is an instrument, right? A gong is an instrument made at a hardened metal. And in order to shape a gong, in order to make a gong, you have to hammer it. You got to heat it up, you got to get it fiery hot, and then you just got to beat the crap out of it right and you shape it into this instrument by just beating it up and then once it takes its shape and it's ready to be played how do you get sound out of it you continue to beat it up and and it resonates it resonates this this beauty and in a lot of ways i've always felt that experientially that like the the things that i was going through as a kid um were sh- were going to shape me and as long as i could be resilient <clears throat> excuse me resilient enough to withstand them i was going to be able to sing um i was going to be able to resonate and so you know that's that's definitely something that i when when the going gets tough is is a bit of a mantra um to me which is uh you know uh Stay a tough gong. There there is, you know, there's definitely beauty outside of the struggle. I I don't want to define sort of the beauty of black culture through the context of um the disparities that exist. But that being said, um we do know just in art and culture in general, oftentimes the most beautiful art is a reflection of some of the hardest uh, traumas and difficulties. So um yeah that 's something that I, I, I i'm passionate about it 's something that i don 't try to steer away from um, I, I i I embrace that that struggle and I, and I hope to create art and tell stories that empower others to 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 find their own resonance in that
1: i think that's a that's like a perfect segue to talking about Juneteenth and, and kind of your involvement in it um, I would I just want to set this up for you because I think One of the greatest things that's come out of this for me, I knew what Juneteenth was on a high level basis. Um, Having to get ready for this podcast, I got to, I I did kind of a deeper dive, and I wish more people. I want people to be a part of our petition, but I want them also do to do a deeper dive into this.
0: And Vince, I'll let you go, but I want to interrupt you. I was one of those people that didn't take a deeper dive. And this has allowed me and I am stunned that because initially, and I'll let you finish your thought initially when it first happened, initially when we started talking about it, I've heard about it, but I never did it. So I assumed it wasn't as significant as it was. And I've realized it is, it is as significant as any moment in history of this country.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically what I want to say is that for those people that they're hearing this word for the first time, and I know now it's getting into the popular culture because unfortunately our president is trying to claim uh you know victory over it and like he's put this out there but please set the table for what juneteenth is and really inform people on why this is an issue
2: yeah so you know juneteenth is really celebrating june 19th 1865 um when Union uh, soldiers rode into Galveston, Texas, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and declared um, the the ending of of chattel slavery uh, in the United States, and you know, for those who are history buffs, you'll know that the Emancipation Proclamation was actually signed January first, uh, eighteen sixty three, and so it took almost two and a half years for that information. To really spread throughout the South and and, and, and slave uh, states, um, you know, obviously, uh, information moved a bit slower then. Um, but I'm I, I'm I'm also mindful of the fact that even if information moved slow, people may have known but didn't necessarily want to see that uh, happen in their own backyards. And so, you know, ultimately why we celebrate that day is, is, is it's because it's a, a day of, um, of, of freedom is a, is a complex um, conversation for, for black people in the United States. You know, um, I'm just going to contextualize it a little bit because I think it's important. Um, you know, July 4th is a day um, where We as Americans celebrate our independence from the British. Um, and it can be a very conflicting one, especially for, for African Americans and for black folk, because when we think about the context of our circumstance or situation in this country, uh, in that moment in history, um, it's not one that favors us. Um, and so this date, when we talk about June 19th, we're talking a about a date where, you know, our humanity to a certain extent was recognized and, um, and the country... Made a step in the right direction. I'm not going to say it's, you know, it, it, it was the be all end all, but it was a step in the right direction to consider us as uh, members uh, of this society. Um, and so the conflict, even around the date, is obviously given what's going on, you know, um, in society right now, is that we have a very long way to go. And so many of us don't see Juneteenth as necessarily a day to say, hey, you know, 1865, you know, uh, June 19th, 1865 was, you know, uh, the day where we received, you know, our freedom. It's to say that was a huge step. We've got many more steps to, to, to take. And let's make it a day of not only celebration, um, but education and communication. And so, you know, that's why I think this conversation is great because, you know, uh, hopefully, you know people can take away from this that you know there's a place to participate. Um, you know, when I, one of the things that I'm really excited for with Juneteenth, given that it's now becoming more nationally recognized recently, is the room for uh, new elements of tradition in it, and people to really take it and to make it theirs, and to and to to to, to really own it and celebrate it as much as they do the other federal holidays.
1: Yeah, It's a a, a cool inflection point. And I think uh, to really drive it home, uh, think of it this way. The Declaration of Independence comes out, like you said, and, and it's celebrated on July 4th. And in that document, it says all men are created equal. And yet in 2020, we're battling over the fact that somebody wants to say all lives matter and we're just trying to, you're just trying to carve out that space and say, I thought we were part of this and clearly we, you didn't include us in this. So now we have to do these next steps. And like you said, it's just a step. And I think one of the, the, the coolest things about you saying is we, we can kind of now derive our, our new traditions and come up with it was look at, going back in the history. I, I just read a great article about barbecue and Juneteenth mm-hmm. and how the original <laughs> celebrators in Texas They've literally celebrated it somewhat like they did July 4th. But you know what the sad part was? They could not find a park to do it on because they were not allowed in those parks. Yeah. And they eventually had to save up enough money to buy their own park, Booker T. Washington Park, yeah. where they could yeah. then come Man, and just barbecue park. all day. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. That, that, that's a beautiful thing, but it drives home the point of why we're here again. Because this, that literally is what we're literally sitting through again. It, some spaces aren't safe. Some people don't understand what all means in the context of it. So if you don't understand what all means, then we're going to have to hammer home what we mean by it. And I, I think you beautifully put the way you, you described Juneteenth for us.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, and, you know, uh, <clears throat> in Texas in particular, you know, the tradition is, is, is much sort of deeper or more deeply rooted. And so, you know, you mentioned that, you know, uh, Booker T. Washington or Emancipation Park, as some call it, um, you know, as this this space, this physical space by which we can celebrate uh, our own humanity. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, we continue to search for that space, <clears throat> whether that be a physical space or that be emotional space, um, you know, uh, even just the notion of obviously kneeling during um, – you know, the national anthem and the controversy that that stirred in the past. Um, but now a lot of people realizing that um, the peaceful protest that, that was shot down by so many was a, a real cry for space. It was a, was a, it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was, a it was a call to attention to say, you know, this is an issue and, and, and we are here and you know, generally we're we're often told how not to participate uh, in society, or, or or told how not to air our grievances. Um, but it's a lot of retroactive conversation, and and so you know that's a huge opportunity for us with this designated day is to say this is a day. You know, a single day, and there's got to be many more, but this is a single day where everyone is going to listen. Everyone's going to have a dialogue. Everyone's going to celebrate blackness. And in a lot of ways, it's like celebrating just so many of the contributions that make America, you know, an incredible place. I think about music, and obviously, Vince, like, your, your love and actually both Max Max and I have, have, have geeked out on music too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just the the contributions um, of the Black community to um, the space of music, whether it be uh, through soul and blues and gospel, and then obviously you know the, the creation of rock and roll, uh, really or or jazz. Um, you know, there's so much that we as a culture and as a people have uh, contributed, not only here domestically, but internationally. And I hope people take this as a day to really just soak that up. Um, And, you know, one of my traditions is like, I'll I'll create a a Juneteenth uh, every year, a Juneteenth playlist. And I I gotta keep it fresh, I can't, it's gotta be new tracks, so I gotta do some digging. And um, it's just music that really celebrates the culture. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to also sort of carving out new elements of this tradition for my wife and for my daughter, um, as we, we, we take it more seriously every year. It's a, it's definitely a, a fun part of it.
0: So Marcus LAFC, uh, recognizes Juneteenth, uh, several other, uh, I don't want to just call them clubs, but agencies, businesses are doing the same how did this and how does this initiative come about? What were those conversa- conversations like within the club and how did we get to here and what do we do to push this across the finish line how do we how do we expand it to get more more allies to be able to get this where it needs to be
2: yeah, so um you know it was it was last year um say probably. You know, late April of last year, um, you know, I brought it to the attention uh, of, uh, you know, our department um, and just proposed it as something that we acknowledge. And, you know, I was actually really, I shouldn't say surprised, but I was really, um, I, I, was, I, was, I was surprised at how immediately everyone embraced it. And, and said, let's do something here. Let's support. You have the club support. So, you know, we put together a video um, and we released it and, and sort of, you know, tried to add a, a bit of an educational component to it, given that especially last year, there were many people that didn't know much about it. Um, and then we thought about it this year and it was like, okay, well, how do we take it a step further, a graphic or a video just doesn't seem to suffice. Like we really do need to continue to push the ball forward as a club, as an organization. And so, you know, right now, you know, as we may have stated, it's, you know, Juneteenth is recognized by 47 out of the 50 States. Um, And it's not federally recognized yet, but we see that as a, a major opportunity. And so, you know, we at LASC decided to uh, create a petition for that, and uh, to try to get it in front of uh, you know our, our state Congress folks, and uh, and and see if we can actually get this on the floor. So you know, we've got a team uh, of individuals who are a bit more sort of immersed in the um, the nuance of um, the political spectrum. Uh, Benny Tran is, is one of those, those gen, gentlemen. We call him, uh, uh, you know, Governor Tran or Senator Tran, depending on, uh, you know, who you are. And he's, he's, <laughs> he's definitely helping us. Him and Iolution uh, are helping us on that end to try to make this a reality.
1: Yeah, for people that don't know, uh, getting something to become recognized as a holiday is no easy task. So that's why, that's one of the reasons, big reasons why we, we want to make sure that we, we broadcast this out to the masses but I think if, if you think of it and you think about that and you think about that monumental task and maybe it, it, it seems daunting to you when you're listening to what Marcus is saying and what we're saying, I think if you flip it and think of it this way, most federal holidays have come from the government down to us. This is the one time where it seems like private companies, private individuals are now driving this. And, and again, doing in doing my research on Juneteenth, it happens every every couple of generations where somebody... Says, hey, man, let's carry this back across the yeah. line, and and so uh, if you want to be a part of something that that could be a legacy, this is this is something I think I think that's probably speaks to you, Marcus, as why you're.
0: That's a great point, Vince. This is a great. This is a great something people can really take ownership of.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking to Marcus, and he's normally like super peppy, but I could tell it, there, there's a little weight there. I know, I know you've been you can kind of speak to this how much one this is important, but it's it's an undertaking that you're going through.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, as my grandfather would say, ain't none to it but to do it. Um, <laughs> but there is, there is a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, you know, um, like you said, it's an extremely complicated, um, you know, uh, 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 proposition. And this isn't the first time uh, that it's it's been brought forward. So, you know, um, but if if there was ever a time, Where you know we as Black folk have society's attention here in the United States, uh, demanding the acknowledgement of our humanity and our history and our contributions. I think now is that time. Um, And again, this is this is you know I don't want to I want to be clear here that this is one part of many many steps that we're uh, you know committed to. pushing forward as a club uh, because you know the the issues at hand um, are extremely uh, pervasive and and they're going to take a a lot of work and a lot of organizations like ourselves raising our hands to say look we don't see this as a topical situation it's not you know just a hashtag of the day like we have to be committed to this for the long haul and we see this as is, is a, is a, is the first step of many. Um, so, you know, I, I went on that day, when it is federally recognized, um, and I can, you know, take, I mean, our organization is, is taking the day off, and so I'm, I'm really, you know, um, stoked that we were able to commit to that as a club going forward. But on that day when it is nationally recognized, and I can go to a Juneteenth parade, and see just a diverse set of people celebrating our progress as a society. You know, um, the freedom of Black folks in this country uh, as a celebration of American culture. Um, uh, it'll, 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 it'll feel. We feel seen you know we'll, we'll feel seen we'll feel we'll feel heard uh our humanity uh will have been acknowledged um there's often times where you where you feel like you, as much as like intellectually we can talk about the importance of black lives um in this country in the day to day moments um, you know in the you know even sometimes microaggressions that one experiences for those from the folks who don 't even necessarily understand their own biases uh, it it can feel really dark and 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 we see this as a moment to
0: hopefully shine shine a little light with regards to uh... And you mentioned it as a parade, Marcus. And I and I see this like Fourth of July, is a celebration for Americans for independence. This is a celebration to to say where we're as Americans we're a whole. And just personally, when you mentioned that, I go, what a great opportunity for me to get up and and, and join our fellow Americans, our Black Americans, and learn more about that. In a in a in a situation where, it, it, you don't have to be burdened by protest or social it's a it's a chance to celebrate and say i'm gonna crack open a beer and have a conversation and that's something we don't have and i don't know why we would run from that it's 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 okay look we're not there's no agenda here this is to talk about things like many other uh, like many other look independent getting an independence came at a huge cost and we celebrate that but we talk about it and i think is that fair to say am i offline to say this is a chance where we can get together and say all right i want to this is my chance to cross the, uh, to a different neighborhood and spend time with people that I don't spend time with on a regular basis. You
2: know, it's important for us to, to surround ourselves by people who don't look like us, um, by people who don't think like us. Um, we have so much to learn from each other. Um, and if we only surround ourselves um, by people... That share our own perspectives. There are very little growth opportunities. So, you know, absolutely, Max. You know, come out to the next. You know, maybe next year once everything normalizes, come out to the Juneteenth parade. Um, there's quite a few actually um, in in Los Angeles. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Mark Ridley Thomas uh, generally throws a, a, a Juneteenth party every year, um, and Let's just celebrate again. I think
0: it's. I love it. Yeah, do it. yeah. I, I what, a great, what, a, what a great opportunity! Because these are the opportunities that we look for. Because we're listen. Quite frankly, people can't just are afraid to go to a black neighborhood. They don't know. They don't feel comfortable. And the same reason in, in reverse. And this is a you know a zone where, if, correct me wrong, a place where we can go freely and celebrate together.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and look, there, we've got a lot of development to do in our, in our black neighborhoods and in the inner city. But sometimes the stigmas that are, uh, are carried aren't necessarily entirely justified. You know, I was just in, in uh, uh, Compton with the Compton Cowboys. Uh, they had a, a march uh, to City Hall. And it was amazing to just see the level of, of diversity and, and people from all walks that came out um, for that march and participated. And, um, you know, I, I do want to, to really, you know, sort of reinforce the importance here um, of, you know, obviously we're talking about celebration, but this day is a day of education and communication as well. Um, you know, um, especially, especially the education part, part I think, um, you know, there are so many great resources out there that are available to, to help one understand uh, their own, uh, place, uh, in the situation we find ourselves in. Um, and, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but, uh, internal reflection, self-reflection is one of the most valuable contributions. Um, and it, and it really should be the starting point.
1: Well, and if you don't know who the Compton Cowboys are, do yourself a favor and just do a little Google search. Cause man, your, your mind will be blown. Cause like you said, we get in this kind of tunnel vision where we think we know everything. We think we know what different neighborhoods are like. Look up Compton Cowboys. I, it's one of my favorite things um, that we have here in Southern California. And I think it's something that people should know. Um, but in that regard, I would say this. Uh, tell us the next steps because I think, like you said, it's a step. Um, yeah. and Just a step. And I think yeah. what, what you've done and what the club has done and what we're trying to put out there is the first step. We're making the first step pretty easy. So tell people what the first step is. And then I would say people, once you take this first step, follow Marcus's lead and, and go out there and it just takes a simple Google search. Sometimes find some information, you know, fill yourself with some knowledge, but Marcus, tell us, tell us what the steps are that, that they can help with this.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, um, as far as the petition is concerned, please go check out, uh, you know, change.org, uh, forward slash LAFC Juneteenth and sign the petition and share it um, you know, uh, this is a, this is a group effort here and, and, uh, you know, we all really need to, 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 to carry the banner on this one. Um, as far as just in, in general next steps, it's obviously an extremely complex, um, situation we find ourselves in. Um, but there are definitely, uh, some ways in which, you know, people should consider participating, you know, one of those uh, really, right off the bat, is 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 making sure that you're registered to vote, um, that you study up on who your you know the local candidates are, because you know um, as much as we often times focus on sort of the national forum um, and our our nationally elected officials, local officials are extremely important. So uh, you know I just highly recommend that everybody um, register. Um, and, and get ready uh, to to let their voices be heard in November. Um, as far as you know, education is concerned, uh, LASC is going to be sharing and rolling out uh, some resources here uh, in the near future. We've been uh, you know very we've taken quite some time to make sure that we're thorough in our uh, choices with our resources. There's so much material out there, um, and ultimately, we've we've wanted to make sure that we. Um, our, our, our sharing uh, material that we we 100% stand behind and and reflect our our um, our feelings as well. So um, expect that to come soon. Um, and yeah, you know, again, communication um, is is such a a big part of it. Uh, you know, if you're uh, if you're uncomfortable, you know, with it, if it if it's a situation where you find yourself resorting to silence or or sort of neutrality, um, just know that that's not um, that's not the answer to progress. You know, we have to be willing to have difficult conversations with each other, um, and we have to, you know, uh, understand that that um, ultimately, you know, to error is to be human. We are going to make mistakes um and so you know we sh- we should f- see the humanity in others uh give them the benefit of the doubt when their intentions are really in the right place and let's challenge ourselves to some difficult questions i've really been been in you know uh, obviously you guys have queued me up with some solid questions today <laughs> but i've been i've been i've been challenging people I, I I want them to to get outside of their comfort zone and put me in an uncomfortable place i'm not afraid to go there I just want to have more constructive dialogue um, and more challenging dialogue. And I think the more we get comfortable with that, the more we can start to do the self-work necessary in order to
0: move forward. Marcus, you've given us a a tremendous map. And I think uh, having those conversations goes a long way. And I've been, I really say this not lightly, that I've been really blessed by being able to have, such incredible people to work with or close to us that uh, we've been able to have these conversations, but we got to keep it going and check out the, uh, the incredible work you did on the Bob Marley YouTube page for the legacy series. And he's, he's truly a talented guy, but what an incredible resource to share with us. Now I look forward to celebrate Juneteenth. This is coming out on a Thursday on Friday. I get, I'm sorry. I get the days wrong. Friday, June 19th. Moment and observe it do whatever you need to, to just remember why we're celebrating it. That's it. 155th anniversary this year. So it's a
2: special one.
1: Well, think about it this way. It might, you know, it might fall on a Saturday or Sunday in the near future. And hopefully it is, is a holiday and we can all celebrate it at the bank and, and, you know, just reinforce what what it means to us as a club and what it means to our club message. I mean, you couldn't think of a better message from what we've said from day one. And I love uh, you were there from day one. I love that Bob keeps going back to it. From day one, there was people like yourself, Marcus, like Rich, all those, you know, that, that small group, the, the tribe of like eight guys that you had, mm-hmm. eight guys and ladies that you had that you guys went out into the neighborhoods. And I, you know, for someone like Bob Bradley, who's been all around the world, to continue to hark back to that and really say that that's one of the most important aspects of why he joined the club. It, it speaks volumes of what we can be in the future and what, you know, we can celebrate together.
2: I want to add one thing to that because you just touched on something that I think is incredibly important as we talk about moving forward. You know, um, there are people that have been doing ground level work in our community in South Los Angeles um, uh, for so many years that have a real sense of what's going on see it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, We do as an organization have a level of responsibility to be, stewards of the conversation, the utilizer platforms um, to, to get the message out there, but to really also listen. It's, 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 it's really an element of what we, we built the club on. As you said, you know, Bob talks about that. You know, um, we, we were out, we were having design sessions. There was this real call and response nature to the conversations. And that is our opportunity moving forward because we are... I truly believe we're reflective of our community. And I think we're only going to continue our efforts to be more reflective um, and to really, you know, uh, exemplify uh, the incredible things that we love about our city. So. Well said.
0: Thank you so much, Marcus. It's always great chat with you. And we'll, 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 we'll talk some music soon and then we can, we can certainly, uh, we have more to talk about certainly moving forward. I look forward to it. I appreciate you guys so much. Ah, oh, what a lovely man. Uh, we love you, Marcus. Thanks for everyone tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. We're here to serve, and we're, we make this podcast uh, complete and interesting, and I hope you enjoy it. We certainly know what the incredible response you get. So uh, check it out. Go back to all the podcasts. We have an incredible library for your listening pleasure. Until then, we will see you next time.